Welcome to A Preacher's Wife Podcast, where faith meets reality. A place where strangers become friends and friends become family. We do life together. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for tuning into A Preacher's Wife. I'm your host, Autumn. I am so, so blessed to get to spend this time with you today. Today's topic is special to me because, well, my journey's been rough and I struggled with this for so long. I was chained down by the ignorance of not knowing any better, but now I'm free. And I want to talk about the difference between repair and restore. So let's talk about what those words mean first. The word repair means to restore to a good condition after damage or decay. To remedy, make good or to put right. Other words for repair are to fix, remodel, renovate, or amend. The word restore means to bring back into existence, to reestablish, to bring back to a former or original condition, or restitution for anything that's been taken away. Other words for restore are to replace, reinstate, and rebuild. I want to read six verses about repairing and restoring. First, let's look at 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 11 and 12. And they, then they would give the weighted silver to those doing the work, those who oversaw the Lord's temple. They, in turn, would pay it back to those working on the Lord's temple, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, and the stonecutters, and would use it to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the damage to the Lord's temple and for all of the expenses for the temple repairs. Let's go to Second Chronicles 24.4. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. Isaiah 61.4. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastation. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Job 42.10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. Mark 3.5. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved with the hardness of their hearts, and he told the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Jeremiah 30.17. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Did you notice any similarities or differences in those six verses? I'll give you a second to think about it. The first three verses talk about repairing. And the ones that are doing the repairing were people. The last three verses talk about restoring, and the one doing the restoring was God. See, repairs are short-term solutions to a long-term problem. Let's say you break the handle off of your favorite coffee mug, and you Gorilla Glue it back on. Sure, it's usable, but there's a weak spot. Where the handle connects to the mug is weakened, and even though the glue holds it together right now, over time, and after use, after use, after use, it's inevitable that it will break again. 
And each time that it gets glued back together, the weaker it becomes and the easier it is to break again. I have personally spent a lot of years looking to people to repair something in me that only God could restore, whether it be a man, a friend, a family member, a coworker, whatever insecurity, whatever doubt, whatever pain or physical sickness that I was experiencing could never be restored by anyone else because people repair, but God restores. That new relationship that you're in might make you feel like you are on top of the world at first. But that man, that woman, cannot restore what is broken inside of you. Praise from your coworkers or your boss on a job well done might fill you with happiness or a sense of value in the moment. But what about when you leave work or when you get another job? Or when you mess something up next week and you don't receive that same recognition. At the end of the day, nothing within you has been restored. But another human has temporarily repaired what was broken. This isn't limited to emotional circumstances. For instance, my husband Stephen. For 15 years, he battled chronic pancreatitis. He spent hundreds of days in hospital in pain and has had every scan, test, probe that you can think of he has had, and he has taken copious amounts of medication. His entire torso is covered with scars from various surgeries where doctors have gone in and tried to repair what was wrong. He's had Botox injections in his stomach. Part of his bowel has been removed. Emergency procedure after emergency procedure, and he was even on a feeding tube for two years and didn't eat any solid food. And even after all of that, he still had to take dozens of medications every day and had to have a pain injection every few months just to make it through. He had to have a port put in his chest right after we got married. About a month later, it got infected, and we had to go to the emergency room and have an emergency surgery to remove it. We were supposed to go to Atlanta that following day so that he could have that pain injection I was just talking about. He was still working on getting established with doctors here, and he had an appointment with a highly recommended doctor scheduled, but he couldn't get in to see him for a few months. Stephen couldn't even open his eyes, let alone articulate any type of conversation. He really wasn't doing well, and it was scary for a while. And when the doctors came in, I told them about this procedure that we were supposed to have done and that we were going to miss, and how we had an appointment scheduled with his new GI doctor, but it was a few months out. One time, I had a guy ask me out, and I politely declined. But when I did, he said, well, a closed mouth don't get fed. And that stuck with me. So I put that mentality into practice right then in that moment. And I asked the doctors to see if Dr. Schmolowitz could come and see him in the hospital and give him the injection, even though he hadn't seen him in the office yet. Well, it worked. Dr. Schmolowitz ended up coming to our room and he agreed to do the procedure. But first, he wanted to go in and explore and take a look around to see what he was doing before he was doing it. 
So as I'm sitting in the waiting room to get a report from the doctors on how surgery went, I prayed. He wasn't back there long, maybe 10 minutes, when Dr. Schmolowitz came out to the waiting room and he said, Mrs. Duty, I really don't know what to tell you, but your husband's pancreas is 100% normal and healthy. I've explored every inch of his abdomen and every organ is completely healthy. Not only is there no sign of damage to any organ, but there's no indication that there'll be any sort of damage in the future. So I can't do the pain injection because it's not necessary. In fact, it's not even necessary that he follows up with GI for future care, and he can stop taking the medications too. There's no need for it. Talk about a praise break. I was beyond controlling my joy. After 15 years of being poked and prodded, sliced open, stitched up, fed pills, for 15 years, people tried to repair him. But they couldn't. They could only provide a temporary relief. What people couldn't do in 15 years, God did in less than 15 minutes. God restored his pancreas to brand new. People repair. God restores. People renovate and remodel. The Lord reinstates and replaces. God does not just gorilla glue things back together. He makes them brand new. He is not a handyman. He is our healer. Sometimes, though, we don't act like we want to be restored. We walk around showing our battle wounds and our scars, almost wearing them like trophies. But we don't have to keep our scars. Not only can God heal us, but if we allow him... He can and will restore us so that there is no scar, no evidence, just like Stephen's pancreas, 100% healthy. He can give us a brand new healthy thing. But we walk around flashing our scars because we like the attention that we get, the pity party and this sympathy that makes us feel good. But how much better if we don't even have a scar to show at all, but instead can show off a brand new, completely restored thing or situation. And instead of being the president of our own pity party, we can invite the world to our praise party. When the man with the withered hand had his hand restored, he didn't need any kind of brace. He didn't keep walking around with his arm close to his body, his hand tucked in so close, acting like it was still broken. He stretched it out and he used it. When the blind man had his sight restored, he didn't need glasses. He didn't sit there, keep his eyes closed or walk around squinting, acting like his eyesight wasn't perfect. No, he opened his eyes and he saw everything. When the woman with the issue of blood was healed, the Bible says that she was healed immediately. In Luke 8, 48, it says, Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So she went. She didn't just stand there. When Jesus healed the paralyzed man, he told him to get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up, and he took his mat, and he walked out. The centurion had faith for his servant. Jesus said, go and let it be done just as you believed that it would. And the centurion left and went home and his servant was healed. 
Restoration takes faith, but faith without works is dead. When God restores you, you have to walk in that. That's faith. You can't believe that God's restored you, but not open your eyes to see, not open your hand and use it, and still rely on people to provide temporary relief. And walking something out in faith isn't always without pain or without fear. The pain and the fear is what stretches your faith. It's what grows it. You can't accept restoration but continue to fret on being sick or speak sickness or keep on going to doctors and claiming that you're sick. You can't rely on other people to heal emotional wounds or to give you a sense of worth. Faith and worry cannot both thrive in the same place. One will kill the other. The blind man had zero doubt. The man with the withered hand had zero doubt. The woman with the issue of blood had zero doubt. The crippled man had zero doubt. The centurion had zero doubt for his servant. What do they all have in common? Absolute faith. And what do they all have? Restoration. We have got to stop looking to other people to fix us, to restore us, to make us whole. Because a man cannot fix your brokenness. He can only mask it temporarily temporarily with feelings of butterflies. A pat on the back at work cannot heal your lack of self-worth or insecurities. It can only provide a temporary band-aid to that wound. Doctors don't heal sickness in your body. They provide temporary relief via medication and procedures. God is our healer. But we've got to stop being lazy and do the work. Open our eyes and see. Stretch out our hand and use it. Take up our mat and go. Do the work to keep it alive. Stop basking in the attention that we get by hosting our own pity party and stop speaking dead things. When God restores something, let it be restored. Stop clutching on to the doubt with your crippled hand, saying, well, the Lord healed me of that, but I still need to do this, or I still need this medication. It still hurts. Walk it out in faith and be bold about it. If you're going to hang on to anything, let it be the hem of his garment, not that dead thing that he's trying to restore you from. That's all it takes. It's just the size of a mustard seed. That's all you need. He wants restoration for all of us. You cannot help a person who's not going to help themselves. So faith without works is dead. We have to do our part. We have to do the works. People repair. God restores. And we've got to shift our eyes from people and set them like a flint on our Heavenly Father. Trust Him fully and stop clutching onto fear and to doubt and grab a hold of the hem of His garment. We've got to walk it out and let it be done. If we all did that, imagine what us walking it out in faith and then the evidence of the restoration from walking it out would do for the world. What an example we could be to show the world the goodness and the faithfulness and the love of God.
I hope that this has blessed you and helped you to see things in your own life that maybe you have looked to people to repair and to make it better and shown you how you can turn to God for a new thing, for complete restoration and not just a temporary fix. Well, I love y'all, and I want to thank you for tuning in today and for spending this time with me. I would love to connect with you. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at A Preacher's Wife, or you can visit my website, www.apreacherswife.org, and you can send me a message and see all of the different ways that we can connect with each other. Thank you again so much for being here today. I can't wait to see you again next time. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Preacher's Wife Podcast. I pray this episode has given you new life and perspective as we do life together.